Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We have to understand what the Bible is actually teaching. We are saved by grace through faith, but he calls us to cooperate. He calls us to do certain things for him. And sometimes those things are demanding. But anything in life worth attaining, we all know there are certain demands. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, in a message titled, Running for the Prize. Now, here's Pastor Brian. These passages are so inspiring. And I know for myself, at certain times, I have read this text, and it's just moved me to want to recommit myself to the Lord. I want to run in such a way as to win the prize. And so this is one of those sections of scripture that it's kind of a standalone text. And you know what I mean by that? There are many passages in the Bible that we are drawn to maybe at a certain point in our lives or, you know, maybe as young Christians, we're reading through our Bibles and and a particular portion really jumps off the page. It stands out to us. And we even commit it to memory. We don't even really necessarily know what the context of it is. It's just this verse speaks to me. And this is one of those passages. It's a standalone text. But it does have a context, and it's important for us to understand that. And so, of course, because we are making our way through Paul's letter to the Corinthians here in our Everyday Discipleship series, we are getting to see these verses that our standalone verses, we're getting to see them in their context. So what is the context of this statement? Now, remember I told you that chapter 8, verse 1 begins some instruction by Paul that goes all the way through the end of the 10th chapter and actually over into the first verse of the 11th chapter only because The people who broke the Bible up into chapter and verse really missed it and included or did not include the last thought of Paul in the 10th chapter and saved it for the 11th chapter, the first verse. And so anyway, it runs all the way through there as I have pointed out. And so in the 8th chapter, Paul is addressing this issue of food that's been sacrificed to idols and certain Christians feeling that they had liberty, freedom, they had the right to eat that because they understood that an idol was nothing and other Christians having a real difficulty with that. And so Paul addresses that in the eighth chapter and then as I pointed out in the ninth chapter, the first 23 verses, he shows us how he applies what he just 
taught them how he applies it to his own life. And so let's refresh ourselves on what it is that he has said. And I want to take us back to the eighth chapter for a moment and pick up in verse nine and read it through. So Paul says, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Here it is. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall into sin. So that's the instruction he gives them. He says, as for me, I'm, I'm never going to stumble somebody in that way. And then, like I said, chapter 9 he goes through and he gives an example from his own life experience as well as that of Barnabas, who was his partner in the ministry, how they were extra careful to not do anything that would stumble a weaker person or that would misrepresent the gospel. And so in the ninth chapter, the fourth verse, he says, don't we have the right to food and drink? The fifth verse, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? The sixth verse, or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? And then in verse 12, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel. Verse 15, but I have not used any of these rights. Verse 18, what then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Verse 19, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And then over in verse 22, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. So that brings us now to the verses that we want to focus on. So Paul has just explained in the first 23 verses that we've already looked at, he's just explained how he has conducted himself in order not to be a stumbling block. And now in these final few verses, he's going to tell us why. So he told us how he's going to tell us why. But let me just say one last thing about these verses here. Not only are they the conclusion in one sense of what he's been saying, but they're also transitional into where he wants to finally go. Because even though we finished the ninth chapter, he's still not finished with the topic. So these verses will transition us when we come back to the text next time. These will be the transitional verses into it. But again, 
having told us how he limited exercising his rights, he now tells us why. And this just sort of sums it up. He does so because he has a goal of attaining the prize. Paul's goal is to attain what he calls the prize. And that goal supersedes everything else in his life. So for Paul, nothing matters like this matters. And for him, what matters the most is that his life in the end attains to all that Jesus Christ intended when he saved Paul. Paul, in writing to the Philippians, he says, he says, I have not yet attained that for which I was apprehended, but this is what I do. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That was what Paul was about, that I might apprehend that for which Jesus Christ laid hold of me. And so in other words, Paul is saying to them, look, I don't want to come short in the least of what Jesus has intended for my life. And so now he is going to state that and he's going to state it by using these sports analogies. So do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. So it's interesting that Paul would use these sports analogies. He uses them throughout his writings, but he uses them here in writing to the Corinthians for the simple reason that out of all of the different churches that he wrote to, these people would understand his illustrations because Corinth, it was the city that held what's known as the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games were held every other year. So the Isthmian Games were a version of the, what we would think of as the Olympics. And so this is the very city where every other year these games would take place. And as we know approximately the history of when Paul would have been in Corinth, he would have been there during at least one of the games. So he's, like I said, he's illustrating to them through something that they will completely understand. So he says a, a few things here that they would completely get. You know, they have to compete according to the rules. So in preparation for the games, every athlete was required to undergo a 10-month period of rigorous training in preparation for the games and could be disqualified for violating 
the training rules. And this is what Paul is talking to them about. He's talking to them about the possibility of they disqualifying themselves, not from these Isthmian games, but from their race that they are in for Christ. So what Paul wants them and us to understand is that although the gospel is free, although it's by God's grace to us, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, the gospel will at times demand that you give up some of your rights and freedoms, even if this is a difficulty, even if this feels like going into hard athletic training. You know, in the church, this is kind of an ongoing battle between faith and works in the minds of people where, you know, some people are very much about I'm saved by grace through faith, which means that, hey, I just, I'm saved. Nothing can alter that. And I'm just going to cruise into the kingdom. I just put it on cruise control, actually. And one day I'll get there. That's one side. And then you have the other side of people saying, oh, no, no. You have got to work hard. You've got to really make sure through your diligent efforts that you really are a Christian. And both of those things, although they often are where people land, both of those things the Bible teaches are not accurate. So we have to understand what the Bible is actually teaching. We are saved by grace through faith. And God is going to get us to our ultimate destination, which is glorified in his presence. But he calls us to cooperate. He calls us to do certain things for him. And sometimes those things are demanding. But anything in life worth attaining, we all know there are certain demands. If you want to win today, if you want to compete in the Olympics and win a gold medal, you are not going to do that by just showing up one day at the Olympic trials and saying, hey, I think I could do this. Uh, is there a spot for me? And no, that's just not going to happen, is it? No, you're going to have to have a lot of intense preparation, a lot of intense preparation before you can even qualify. I think of uh, the runner, Mo Farah, and maybe you remember his name. He is a British Olympian. Back in the 2012 and the 2016 Olympics, he won gold medals for the 5,000 and the 10,000 meter. And I was looking, I kind of watched him during that time and really had an admiration for him. And I was looking at how he trained in preparation for the Olympics. And... You know, some of you have heard me reference the fact that I run. I'm now qualifying that I jog. 
I started running <laughs> 10 years ago, and I actually was, you know, th there's a certain speed you have to be at before you qualify for running. And if you're not at that speed, then you are jogging, and then, of course, <laughs> you could be just walking. Um, so I'm not to the walking part yet, but I'm certainly not running anymore. But anyway, because of my own running experience, you know, I really was interested in Mo Farah and, and following him. But it was fascinating to read about his preparation. And let me just share a couple of things with you just to give you an idea. So in preparation for the Olympic Games, he would run up to 135 miles per week with no rest days and two sessions every day. On the final day, he would run 22 to 25 miles. He does this every week. 22 to 25 miles on the final day, and he would run at a pace of five minutes and 40 seconds per mile. Now, that is completely crazy, but you can understand why he won these gold medals. But you look at that and you realize when you watch him, it looks so easy. And you see him win the medals and you think, wow, that's great. But we have to realize that in order for him to do that, many, many sacrifices needed to be made. And much discipline had to be put forth. That is really obvious, isn't it? And so this is the kind of thing that Paul's talking about. Paul's point is that athletes subject themselves to this rigorous discipline, and here it is, in the hopes of winning a crown that will perish. They do all of this for something that will perish. Now, in Paul's day, if you won the Isthmian Games or even the Olympic Games, you got a wreath. And it was a laurel wreath that would dry up and turn to dust eventually. Uh, today, we give out medals in these types of things, but you know, the metal will tarnish, and you know, there's a point where it's just metal. It's a perishable reward or crown. But then Paul goes on and basically says, how much more should we who stand to gain an imperishable crown discipline ourselves in the things that pertain to our spiritual lives, the gospel, and our service to Christ? He's just making a comparison. They do this for a perishable crown, but we are doing this for an imperishable crown. They discipline themselves. How much more should we discipline ourselves? One writer said this. He said, athletes will go to extreme lengths for a transitory prize and a reputation that lasts only momentarily. I was thinking about all of the different categories, for example, in the Olympics. And of course, there are categories that, that we might be interested in because, I don't know, for whatever reason, we, maybe we did that sport ourselves and so we're really drawn to that. And then there are categories that we don't have any interest in at all. 
But even in those where we have an interest, you know, we might be able to think of someone who won the gold medal at a certain point, but after a while, you're kind of like, wait, who was that person? It's a transitory thing. Christians, on the other hand, are called to exercise restraint and self-control and discipline on the journey that leads to lasting glory. The journey that leads to lasting glory. Now, we all like a champion. We all have that person that we get attached to in that event, and we cheer them on. And we're so excited for them in their endeavor here on earth to attain whatever it is. But again, Paul wants to remind them, look, we are playing for something so much greater. And the question really is, how can we not discipline ourselves when we understand what is at stake? That we're serving the Lord Jesus, that this is an eternal crown that is there available to us. Now, Paul goes on in verse 27, and he lays out his personal settled strategy. And I want you to think about the word settled. So this wasn't something Paul did on a whim. It wasn't something that he was emotionally moved to do on particular occasions. This was something that he was settled into doing. He was convicted about this as a way of life. And what does he say in verse 27? And I don't run like someone running aimlessly with no goal. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. An important aspect of the Christian life is understanding that we are in a spiritual battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, the Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6, but we are in a war against these principalities and powers, against these spiritual beings. And so, I've written a book that was at one time entitled Spiritual Warfare, but in the updated version, I changed the title to The Powers of Darkness and the People of God. And I think this is such an important book. So many of us go about experiencing the what is really the attack of, of the devil, but we don't even realize that that's what's going on. So this book will inform you not only of how to detect when the enemy's at work, but also of how to combat the various schemes of the enemy to mess with us and to undermine our faith and to just basically make our lives miserable. So I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of The Powers of Darkness and the People of God. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Brian Broderson. You can order the book The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. 
Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Brian Broderson. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian... You and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. And it is the trip of a lifetime. So we'd love to have you join us. And if you're interested, we're going to have an informational meeting on Sunday, March 20th at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Or you can find out the details if you go online at israel.cccm.com. Yep. We hope you can join us. It's going to be great. It will be.